Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Ronnie will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 23. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. 1 Samuel chapter 22 tells us while David is hiding in the cave, in walks 400 men who are distressed, in debt, and discontent. They came to David. God is doing a work in building an army. And again, in walks these 400 stressed out, discontent, in debt men. Did you, men, did you get that? David became captain over 400 men with real problems. And David probably looked up at God and said, you got to be kidding me, right? This is like the army. You got to be kidding me. My army is made up of distressed and in debt and discontent losers. But let me tell you something. Those are the kind of people that God uses. That's what the Bible says about us. We are losers for the kingdom. Any losers for the kingdom? Some of you. Amen. Amen. You can't even be using the kingdom if you don't think you're a loser. It's true. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 26 says, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh and not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen what saints, the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. Come on. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. See, we're all losers for the kingdom. So these men walk in and, and, and they're losers and, and they're discontent and distressed and in debt. And every single one of us in some way, think about it, are in debt, discontent and distressed. Maybe not in debt concerning money, but we certainly are in debt concerning our debt to the Lord. We're all in debt. Every one of us are distressed. That means we're under pressure. We're all under the pressure of this world. And every one of us is discontent. That means bitterness of soul. We're distressed and in debt and discontent. And we gather around the greater than David, Jesus who transforms our lives and makes us into a cracked army of spiritual soldiers for Christ. These men came to David when he was down and out. And when David comes to the throne, there'll be a lot of people there. But everybody in the true wants to be around a winner. These men came to David when David was at his lowest in a cave, not on the throne. And David appreciated that. And now he lists their names as mighty men. And just as much as God called David, God called these men. Look at verse 8. Josheb, what's his name? Josheb, Bathshebeth, Bathshebeth, the Tachmanite. His nickname is Adino, the Esnite. 
He was the chief among captains. He was a captain of captains. Adino probably sat in the gate, probably gave war counsel to David. And he killed, notice with the spear, 800 men at one time. This is the guy you want in your posse. This is the guy you want to roll with you. This is the guy. First Chronicles 27 tells us that Adino, which by the way is the first Italian in the Bible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I go all day long, it's been stuck in my head. Adino becomes commander. First Chronicles 27.2, Adino becomes commander over 24,000 men. And notice he's lifting up the spear, lifting up the spear. Lifting up the spear in scripture is symbolic of prayer. If you're going to be a mighty man of God, the first prerequisite is that you be a person of prayer. First Timothy 2.8, I desire therefore that men will pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Thomas Akempis said, the man of God ought to be more at home in his prayer chamber than before the public. The man of God or the woman of God ought to be more at home in his prayer chamber than before the public. A lot of folk are more at home praying in the public. And don't ever pray in a prayer chamber, even know what that is. Next up, look in your Bibles. Next up in verse 9, Eleazar, the son of Dodo. Now, again, funny name, but not in the Bible. Second Samuel, notice 23. The Bible tells us Eleazar, he got up and he attacked the Philistines so long. Did y'all get this? so hard that his hand was stuck to the sword and he killed 800 men at once. This is one faithful man. Imagine fighting all day with the sword. You know, I think of boxers. And I was talking to a friend today about boxers and, and how many rounds they go. And, um, and, and you think, you know, if you go three, four rounds, as I've now come to understand, if you go three, four rounds in the ring, that's something like nine to 12 minutes of being beaten, brutally beaten in the ring. Think about this guy holding his sword and, and, and historians have recorded men fighting all day long. They held their swords so long that they, they, at the end of the day, all day long, that at the end of the day, their hand would not release from the sword. It was so swollen around the sword that they had to soak the hand and the sword handle to get the hand to release from the sword. So Eleazar, using the sword, killing 800 men, fighting probably all day. We don't have time to read it, but 1 Chronicles chapter 11, 12 through 14. Just write that down. Go look it up in your own time. 1 Chronicles 11, I'll tell you, 12 through 14, it's harvest time. The enemy would go through the fields and take what they want and burn the fields and burning the supplies. And First Chronicle 11 tells us that Eleazar, this same Eleazar, was with David in Pasdamon. Pasdamon, or some of your Bibles might say Ephesdamon. Ephesdamon. Uh, Chronicle says Pasdamon. Ephesdamon means field of blood. Uh, not necessarily because so many battles happened in that area, but because of the richness of the soil. They called it the field of blood. This is also the place where David slew Goliath. Same area, now this the valley of Elah. I got that. So there in Pasdamon, David um, is with Eleazar, 
And again, because many battles took place in that same area, and the Bible tells us that Eleazar fought all day long in Chronicles, listen, defending the barley field. This is really, I wanted to read it with you, but we don't have time. First Chronicles, he's fighting with David, defending the barley field. Now, the question is, what's the big deal? Why is the barley field so important? Well, listen, the barley field is important because it's God's barley field. It's God's barley field. Although it seemed like a small thing, it would have been a big compromise to lose. Now, you might think of the barley field as small compromises in the Christian life. I'm going somewhere. Small compromises in the Christian life. Too often we're willing to surrender the barley fields. Small things, little things, little compromises, little lies, little deceit, little gossip. We're willing to compromise the small things and those things lead to bigger things of surrender. It's almost like Satan takes us captive one barley field at a time. It's true. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, you know what, I think I'll be a crackhead today. Nobody does that. Nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, you know what, I think I'll fall in the sin today. Yeah, that sounds like a good day to me. I think I'll fall in the sin today. Nobody does that. It starts one party feel at a time. One little compromise at a time, one little sin at a time, one little thing you speak, your little tongue doing whatever it does at a time. That's how Satan takes us captive. It's little bit by little bit until you're completely fallen. Now, here's the word for us. Here's the word for us. Got your pen? Fight for your barley field. No surrender. Did you hear me? No surrender. You got to be willing like Eleazar to take a sword and fight all day long until your hands get weary. When you think of a sword in the Bible, think of the word of God. Right? Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Saints, hold on to your sword and don't let it go. You got to hold on to your, to, to your word. You got to hold... <laughs> You got to hold on to this word. You got to hold on to this word and don't let it go till your hands are swollen. Don't let it go. Get your Bible. Hold on to your Bible. Take your Bible with you to work. Take your Bible with you to school. Put it in your back pot, in your back pocket and put it in your, um, <laughs> that's an awfully small Bible. And put it, put it, put it, put it, I was going to say backpack. Put it in your backpack. Put it in your briefcase. Have it in your car. You know, I know we have the tablets and we got the phones and stuff like that, but I honestly, this is just Pastor Roddy. No legalism. Do your thing. I'm just saying, a Bible in your hand is just different. It just is. People say, Pastor Roddy, what Bible you read? What, what Bible you have? Listen, this is my sword. This is my sword. And you know what? If you notice what I teach, especially on Wednesday night, when I teach, I like to hold it like this. Because to me, it's like a little dagger. You know what I mean? I'm like, bunch of sinners. <laughs> Here, look at there. It's like, okay, this is, this is mine. You know what? Get whatever you're going to read and obey. That's the Bible you want to get. The one you're going to read, the one that you're going to obey. 
I have this one small Bible. I don't need the big Pharisee Bible. I don't, I don't need somebody to help me carry it around and carry it. It's like, oh, here come Pazerani in the big, big, big Bible. I don't need a big Bible. You write the word upon the tables of your heart that you sit not against the Lord. So Eleazar, God help me, move on. Eleazar. And notice Adino. Wait a minute, where are we at? Where are we at? Who's next, y'all? Eleazar and oh, Shama, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me, Shama, there you go, verse 11, Shama, the son of Agi, the Harite, Shama stationed himself in the middle of the field of lentils, everybody else ran away, but Shama held the ground by himself until the Lord brought the victory, in other words, no man stood with him, but the Lord stood with him, Shama was faithful, Shama was faithful, Eleazar had the word, right? And Adino was prayer. Did you get that? I'll give it to you again in just a second. Look at verse 13 uh, through 17. Shama was faithful in service. When everybody else bailed because of the Philistines, Shama remained faithful, stationed himself in the middle of the field of beans, and he defended it. Look at verse 13. Then three of the 30 chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam and the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephim. And David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And so the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to the king. Nevertheless, he would not drink it and he poured it out to the Lord. And he said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. And these things were done by the three mighty men. Now, listen, The time of this is probably after Saul is dead and David is making a transition from Hebron to Jerusalem, uniting the kingdom. We just established that David spent time in the cave of Adullam. And David knew this cave really well, 1 Samuel chapter 22. So David's mighty men are with him and David wanted to get some water from the well. Some scholars feel that David may have had a fever at this time. We're really not sure David's probably thinking, man, those were the days we had great water, great, cool, fresh water. And the mighty men, did you get this? Decided on their own. David didn't ask them to do it. They decided on their own to be a blessing to David and get some water. Look at verse 16. They make a 12-mile hike through enemy territory from Adullam to Bethlehem to get this water. So David's thinking out out loud, oh, for a drink of water. Maybe the cave was hot. Suddenly, these three guys are missing and they head out and they're fighting and they're breaking through the stronghold of the Philistines, knocking them down one by one to get to Bethlehem. They get the water. They bring it back to David. He wouldn't drink it. He poured it out to the Lord. David poured the water out in the act of worship before God. David said, far be it from me that I would drink it. It almost cost the blood of my men. You see, these men loved David. I want you to notice something here, saints. Note this. Four practices, got your pen? Four practices that must be in the life of anyone who wants to be a mighty servant of God. Four practices that must be in the life of anyone who wants to be 
a mighty man or woman of God. Number one, Adino represents prayer. Number two, Eleazar represents the word. Number three, Shama represents faithfulness. And number four, David's pouring out the offering represents worship. Those four things must be a practice of any mighty people of God, prayer, the word, faithful service, and a heart of worship. Saints, we got to move on. Look at verse 18. Y'all still with me? Say amen. amen. Now Abishai, the brother, verse 18, of Joab, the son of Zorah, was chief of another three. He lifted up his spear against 300 men and killed them and won a name among these three. Was he not the most honored of the three? Therefore, he became the captain. However, he did not attain to the first three. Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian. The Egyptian was a spectacular man. I don't know why I like that word in the Bible. A spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand. And so he went down to him with a staff, wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, did and won a name among the three men, the three mighty men. He was more honored than the 30, but he did not attain to the first three. Now you understand. And David appointed him over his guard. So we have another three mighty men. The first is Abishai. You remember Abishai, right? That's David's older sister's son. She had three boys, Abishai, Ashiel, and Joab. She had three boys. And you might remember, Abishai wanted to kill Saul. David would let him do it. He wanted to cut off the head of a guy named Shammai. David said, let him curse whatever. Second Samuel 21, Ishbibanab was going to kill David with the sword. And Abishai jumped in and saved the day and killed Ishbibanab, which was a giant. Verse 18, Abishai lifted up his spear and killed 300 men by himself. Another mighty man, verse 20, was Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel who loved David. Benaiah, listen, is interesting because You should write this in your margin. He is a priest turned warrior, a priest turned warrior. It's not uncommon for a priest to turn prophet, but this is the only time in the Bible that we find a priest turned warrior. First Chronicles chapter 27, verse five, he appointed, he's appointed to be over 24,000 men. So this was... One bad priest. This dude was bad. First Kings. Can you think about it? Like, what if your pastor was like, like I carried a gun and y'all knew I was up there with a gun and somebody came in here and I was just like, oh, you don't want this. Y'all be like, man, Pastor Rodney, bad, man. He bad. This guy's kind of like that. First Kings. First Kings. Before David dies, he says to Solomon, listen, there's this guy, Shammai. Don't trust him. He'll turn on you. And look out for Joab. And when David dies, Joab tries to make another brother king. But Pastor Benaiah, commander in chief under Solomon, 
he kills Joab. Benaiah did many deeds. Look at verse 20, and a few of them are listed here. He killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. What's that? I have no idea. I just know I don't want to meet this guy in the alley. I know that. Some say they are Moab's two best men. Maybe hair on their face, chest like, like a lion or something like that. I don't know. But on this day, these guys ran into the wrong pastor, didn't they? Benaiah killed them both. He killed a lion, number two, a real lion in a pit on a snowy day. Now, that is three bad things that happen at once. A lion, a pit, and a snowy day. That was a very, very difficult battle. And then, number three, he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. David isn't the only giant slayer. Benaiah was a giant slayer. First Chronicles 11.23 tells us Benaiah killed a man. Five cubits high or seven and a half feet high. The Egyptian, look at verse 20. I love that. The Egyptian had a spear, but Benaiah had a staff in his hand. Benaiah is pretty tough. And he took the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and he killed him with his own spear. And he made a name for himself among the mighty men. And then in verse 24 through 39 are the names of more mighty men. And honestly, I really want to read through these really quick because the Lord put them in the scriptures and they are notable men. There are many notable people throughout the ages, but these men, God took the time. This is not a lineage. This is a list of mighty, mightily used men of God. And I think it will be uh, appropriate to, to read their names. And when we get to heaven, we'll meet them and go, oh yeah, you're uh, that guy, uh, Ishketh the White. You're that guy. I never could say your name. What's your name? Verse 24. Ashiel, the brother of Joab, was one of the 30. I told you it was going to be hard, all right? But well, we're going to do this. Elhanan, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem. Shammah, the Herodite. Eliaka, the Herodite. Helez. The Palite, the Palatite, the Paltite, Ira, the son of Ikesh, the Tekoite, Abizir, the Anothoite, Mebani, the Hushathite, Zalman, the Ahoite, Mahara, the Nephophilim. Heleb, the son of Bana, the Nephaphalim. Itai, the son of Ribai. Hey, Ribai, Ribai State. Ribai from Gibeah, uh, of the children of Benjamin. And Benaiah, a Parathonite. Haida, from the brooks of Gash. Abi Alban, the Abarith. As Maveth, the Barhamite, Eliabub, 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 the Shalbanite of the sons of Jeshem. Oh, thank God, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, thank God. Shama, the Herite, 
a Hyman, a Hyam, a Hyam, the son of Sharer, Sharar, the Herite. Elihilet. Elihilet. Uh, the son of that guy. The son of Makahite. Eliam, the son of Ahithophel. The Gileadite. Hezri, the Carmelite. Parai, the Arbite. Egal, the son of Nathan of Zobah. Benai, the Gadite, Zelak, the Ammonite, Nahara, the Barathite, armor bearer of Joab, the son of Zorah, Ira, the Ithrite, Garib, the Ithrite, and Uriah. Yes, 37 in all. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.